All right, everybody, welcome, welcome to episode five of of the uh, Peter Dagger podcast. Joining me today is the fan favorite, professional brood war player, internet personality, and event host of the International Seven, Day Nine. Some people know you as Sean Plot. That's How's right. I I'm doing great. I uh, I have this water bottle though that I've been thinking about a lot. Because at the top, you have to bite it and suck vertically up through it, which is like the weirdest water bottle I've ever had. And I've had it for like two days now. And so right now I'm doing great because it makes uh, the act of drinking water all the more exciting. And it is a pleasure to be here on the podcast to talk video games and Dota with you, Mr. PPD. Yeah, that was quite the tangent. Did you purchase that for yourself? Yeah, I did. Maybe Maybe not your best purchase. No, it's really up there because I'm the sort of person that for me, my entertainment is largely just doing shows and playing video games. So anytime I buy an item, I'm like real interested in it because oh, it's like yeah. a very rare moment when I actually purchase a thing. Is this an online shopping experience or do you do you go out into the world and really make it a, make it an <laughs> well, event? I went to a Target. It was pretty incredible. Target's got some exciting merchandise. I, uh, you know, home decor, water mm-hmm. bottles, um, discount clothing, great, great deals on socks. That's right. I, I have several white T-shirts that I use to exercise in. Those, Those are, were also from Target. So yeah, that, that's a perfect place to. Uh, are, are you wearing Are you wearing any suits from Target for? for no, TI? no, goodness, no. no. I'm excited about my suits because, um, I'm the sort of person that I don't actually have that many suits because there's just generally when you go to an event, it's only just like shirt and tie. You don't really need the blazer for a lot of events. And when you do, they're spaced out enough that you can just sort of mix and match. But I've been doing more hosting duties that demand the full thing. So I went out and bought four suits for the PC gaming show that was like six, seven weeks ago. And I only got to wear one of those. So I have three more suits in addition to the two I already own that I get to bring to TIs. That's almost one a day, which means I will be hopefully nearly as handsome as Purge. You got You have to be unique every every day, though, right? Yeah. You have, no, you have like, is it like five days? So you got to have like five different combinations. Yeah, and then whatever the fan favorite is, I'll just wear that on the sixth day. That's how. That's how you make it interactive. We yeah. cater to the crowd at the how final do you, chance. How do you know which one's the fan favorite? <laughs> um, you gonna run a Twitter we'll poll? Make, we'll make a straw day. poll. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, Twitter poll at the end of day five. Knowing Valve, they would probably make a graphic. I could probably just contact them and be like, I need more data. I want to gather all the information from the audience and find out the right thing to wear on Saturday. Put it up. Mm. We could have little slider bars, you know, so we can talk about the various skill traits of my suit. I wonder how confidential our our graphic conversation our graphics conversation with Valve is. Do you feel like we could talk about it on here? I have no idea. I have no idea. But it's one of those things where what I don't want to do is make the misstep and then not be your host for the international. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should probably that just wait. That would suck a lot of ass. We yeah. should probably just wait and hopefully hopefully it's an amazing product, which I'm sure it will be because it's Valve. And everyone will just have to wait to see it. So sorry sorry for the tease, everybody. No, well, actually, this is, this is a good chance to just talk about what I'm interested in doing as a host at the event, which is... Um, hopefully going to be incorporated into, into the broadcast in a variety of ways. But one of the things that I, I've always not had when I have tuned into a lot of broadcasts in the past is a lot of just like simple anchoring statements that kind of let me get the gist of what's going on. 
you know, I, I would watch events and someone would go, hmm, what do you think is an, a good pick here? And there'd be a lot of, hmm, you know, I think Oracle is a good pick here. Oh, yeah, it goes well with Huskar. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think Oracle's the pick here. And I'm sitting as a viewer who does not really know anything at this point in my life. I had pretty much just played Lena and Nature's Prophet. I got four months of Dota under my belt, and, and I don't even understand what the meaning of a team composition should be. I don't know what the highs and lows are. I don't know these sorts of things, but there's little anchoring statements that can be made like, oh, this team really doesn't have that many good disables, so it'll be very hard for them to pin down some player on the other team. Oh, they picked up Lion. Lion has two very strong disables, and suddenly I'm able to take some of those just anchoring bits of information and get a stronger sense of, oh, I see the identity of that character in this team lineup. I I heard the I heard them say the problem on the panel. I would never have been able to come up with that problem statement on my own that they lack an ability to catch or pick someone off. So my hope is that as a host, I can try to set up those kinds of questions so there's not a need to I mean, obviously, you want to have the deep, rich, interesting, nuanced analysis that's there. But just take an extra 10 seconds here, an extra 10 seconds there to make sure that those are explicitly stated in some fashion. Because I think that having those types of um, underpinnings to someone who's watching means that they can have all the complex analysis go in one ear and out the other. But they can hear, oh, anti-mage needs a lot of gold in order to be good. So they need to kill the anti-mage. Done really simple, clear thing you can watch in the game. Any analysis that happens in, in regards to that, you go, oh, oh shit, no, I, rem I remember that. You gotta kill the animation because that's really bad. Because I distinctly remember having that experience when I was watching like TI4 or something like that. And Omer was explaining to me what was going on in the game, so. Have you watched like all of the TIs over the years or? Yeah, I've actually like watched every single TI every single year. Um, and it's kind of funny how followable Dota 2 is with n no information. Just basic structural shit like, oh my god, there's three people who are trying to sneak up behind that guy. One dude, three dudes, this dude is not reacting. Uh-oh. This is sort of emotionally what would be happening to me when I'd be watching. Um, and you know, you, you look at health bars go down. I think one of the best things, you know, for me as a newbie is that when damage is dealt, it leaves the white bar of health that shows how much damage the character received instead of just having the health bar decrease. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, you just didn't react. I, I, you're staring no, at me. No, no, like, I just I wanted to what? let you finish your point. White bar, Sean. The with the white with the white health yeah, bar. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, that, that's been like one of the big complaints about Dota is how difficult it is for like the general audience to really understand watching it. Um, yeah. You know, you talk about people kind of setting up opportunities for people to understand. You know, saying, "Oh, killing anti mage a lot is good." Because he needs a lot of gold to be successful, um, so like you know, I hope that I can do an ample job on the desk alongside you, you know, telling everybody, hey, this is why this is why anti mage needs to die, to die a yeah. couple times in the early game because you know if he doesn't get slowed down, all of a sudden he's going, you know, the game's going to get out of control and nobody's going to be able to deal with anti mage. Yeah, yeah, because I think there, there's all this beautiful complexity and richness and depth to Dota, and you can learn uh, like one little piece at a time, which I found that, that was honestly the most surprising thing to me when I actually sat down to play is that within about two or three games, I was like, oh, I'm Lena. I, I, I blow shit up tight. All right. Yeah. Nice. You know, and I go somewhere and die and go, I probably shouldn't have been there. And then I get to respond like, OK, I played Brood War. Actually, well, 
I still play Brood War, and I'm unbelievably, I'm vibrating with excitement for Brood War Master to come out. Um, and in Brood War, you make one mistake, and you, you, the game is over. <laughs> you don't get to be in the game anymore. And now you have to go do another game. And so the whole idea of you made a mistake, and now you respawn, okay, now just go blow shit up with your abilities. And every time I died, I would be able to say, what the hell just happened? Right there, a lot of times I would need a friend to kind of explain to me, you know, oh, that's an ultimate called rupture. That's why I was yelling at you to stop moving. Because <laughs> I still remember the first time. Uh, Rupture's I, I, a tough one. Rupture takes, it's a learning experience. It's, it took a moment because they were like, stop moving, stop moving. And I know now what they were trying to get me to do, which was to stop moving. But what I was hearing was, be careful because you might be moving towards danger. So what I said was, it's cool, guys, I'm safe. And then I fucking died immediately. Because, I mean, I was like three fiery stack charges. So I'm like, like going away. Yeah. And my health is plummeting to zero. Yeah, it was there. There were some moments there that that hurt a little bit. Yeah, well, that's I mean, that's the great thing about Dota is like you, you can learn at all levels, even at like the highest level of Dota. You never play a perfect game. And there's always something yeah. to say like, hey, oh, I died here. Why did I die? I felt like, you know, mm -hmm. with all the information that I had on the map, I felt like I was able to go farm this next wave when it turns out I wasn't. What did somebody yeah. on my team um, was somebody on my team? I thought they were showing on the map when really they weren't. And so the enemy felt safe to make a play on me or, you know, really kind of what happened. And that's, you know, that's like a pretty high level thought. But. That's I, I the like, cool thing about Dota because yeah. it never it never stops. It's from all levels, you can always improve and you can always play better. And nobody it's nobody has ever played a perfect game in the history of Dota. And I love how there's a lot of chunked moments that are in there too, where you can say, "I died at that moment. Let me ask questions about the last two minutes of the game, and I can get something in there." And there's you know possible paths you can go down. Was it positioning? Was it an item that I misjudge a certain character on the other team? And I really like that. That feels very good for for learning. And sometimes I think it can be hard when there's too far of a distance between the mistake and the punishment for the mistake. You know, if you miss like two depots at the start of a StarCraft game when you're trying to do a timing push at nine minutes. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, it's but over. you don't know that it's over. It's over actually at minute, at like three minutes into the game, but you're going to feel it when you do the timing push in your short so, tanks, you know. I had a similar kind of experience. Um, you know, I've had similar experiences in Dota, but especially when I played card games. I know on your, like, I look at your YouTube today and yesterday, and you play a lot of Hearthstone. Uh, I've been oh, yeah. playing this other game called Gwent. I don't know if you know of it. Um, yeah, I haven't actually played Gwent. It's by CDPR, uh, who did The Witcher. Oh, yeah. um, and it's just a Witcher themed card game that I enjoyed playing for a little bit. I don't play as much anymore, but yeah. EG, uh, we picked up Life Coach, who won the first ever Gwent tournament. Um, oh, I didn't know he was on. Yeah, PG. that's awesome. Yeah, so it's uh, it's but what I did is like I, you know, like they give you your deck of cards at the very beginning, and you look at your cards, and then you get to mulligan a couple, and then you have this this hand of cards, and you go, oh man, my hand is so bad, like there's no way I can win this. But the attitude that I would have when I would say is like maybe his hand's just as bad too, you know, yeah. like maybe he got as unlucky as I did with my mulligans, so maybe there's a chance I could win the game. So, you know, maybe in like StarCraft, hey, you, you know, you fuck up your worker timings or you make a mistake with your micro. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe he'll make a mistake, too. And yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that I find so beautiful about, you know, Brood War and why I'm so excited is that in a sense, the game is just a gigantic 
disorganization engine. All it is is just, it's a bunch of shit where you're like, Dragoon, go forward. And he's like, got it. I'll go left and then go forward. He's like a shitty genie or something, you know? So he didn't tell me exactly how to do it. You know, you're missing workers, you're missing depots, but there there's so much stuff going on that you get to kind of choose where you allocate however much attention you do have at that point in time. And this results in some surprisingly fair interesting varied outcome matches because maybe you have messed up in your base management a little bit so you don't quite have as many deep or uh, as many units because you miss depots you don't quite have as many units because you miss production cycles you don't quite have as much money because you missed workers but then you have amazing unit controls and tactical positioning your opponent is better at the base management stuff so he has more things but can't quite control them as well um Dude, I just I just like competitive games. Yeah, I can tell. And the the whole like StarCraft remastered thing coming out is going to be really cool. I saw like a list of all the players that were playing in uh, like the first like the showcase of the game, right? Like that's coming up last night. It was like Jadong. Oh, it was last night. It was like Jadong and Flash and um. Yeah, it was uh, was BNG the boy versus Gur, which was a big rivalry in the 1999 uh, OSL. Uh, You also had. Nada versus Reach, which was one of the sort of mid-era big classic uh, battles. I think they played a game on Nostalgia, which is great. It's a fantastic map. This is me just fucking again getting excited about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, and then, of course, Boxer versus Yellow, one of the most important rivalries in the history of the game. And this all led all the way up to uh, Bisu, Jadong, and Flash, who are considered you know, the sort of three modern gods of each race playing gotcha. against each other. And, of course, Flash stomped everyone. Yeah. That's how it works, I, man. I, I didn't catch it and I didn't follow it, but I saw some people tweeting about it and it looked pretty exciting. StarCraft yeah. 1 was just a little bit before I got into competitive gaming, um, yeah. so I kind of missed out on that. But StarCraft 2 is where I really got into watching esports and thinking, oh, it'd be cool if I could play video yeah. games for a living, like that sort of a thing. <laughs> Wait, so you were playing Heroes of New Earth at the time, right? Uh, I played a lot of different games growing up, you know, whether it was like Call of Duty or World of Warcraft. Um, yeah, yeah. Heroes of New Earth, Dota 1, uh, just like I played a lot of Warcraft 3, like Ranked Ladder as well. That was something that I was really into. Um, God, not really like. Really fun, War 3. 1v1 man. was always like a little too. Like there's a word for it, right? Like the not tilt, but like the fear of queuing up again until like a <coughs> 1v1 game. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to feel like there is anyone to blame but yourself. Exactly, and that's that. You have yeah. to face that fear when you go into a new game because yeah. Oh, yeah. when you lose, it's on you. You know, when yeah. you play, it, it, it hurts in a very special way. You know? Yeah, I liked playing two v twos and three v threes because you know I could say, oh, you know, we made a mistake. You know, or or yeah. if I was being even more selfish, I could be like, he made a mistake. Well, the, or even the neutral phrase like that game sucked. As though it was the game that was presenting yeah, yeah, yeah. to me a poor experience. Like it's a shitty TV show on Netflix. I just need to go to the next one. You know, this game, there was a problem with this one. I don't know. It seemed defective. Let me queue up again. And it just doesn't happen in one-on-one games. Is that why it's you like, think? I suck. Fuck. Uh, I feel like that's almost... I feel like the result of that has been like the popularity of games like League of Legends and Dota and Overwatch and all these like multiplayer <laughs> team games have kind of risen in popularity over like the 1v1 kind of model um, because it's you know not only is like a more friendly environment to play with your friends and socialize and enjoy yourselves but it's also you know you got to put less on you yeah yeah um i don't i don't know i don't really know about that whole feeling of uh well you're a streamer so you're never really playing by yourself right how often do you play video games when you're not streaming <laughs> 
nonstop. Really? Games, yeah, I play oh, a lot no. of games. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, it's, it's uh, you know, sort of about different textures of experience. Um, I think that, there, you know, if, if you talk about 1v1 games, there also are not that many 1v1 games that are even getting made. Um, True. Obviously, gaming socially is super unbelievably fun, so I think that that naturally will always be very successful. But in terms of recently successful individual games, I think about things like uh, all these card games that are coming out incredibly fun individual games clash royale mobile just fucking gigantically out of control huge and these sorts of games even though the gameplay loop is technically a 1v1 they do extend and kind of have different social participatory experiences that are in there yeah um, there's some community <clears throat> involvement you know even yeah. though you're playing as an individual you're almost you know you're ranking yourself up against your friends and in that sense you know it's something there's to talk plans, about and you borrow your Sure. Cards from each other, all that sort of stuff. And I think that um, there is a certain hardcoreness to some single player games. I mean, Brewers, obvious example that. StarCraft is intense. StarCraft is it, it's a very intense game. And it's intense in a way that I think is it contrasts sharply with a lot of other competitive games. When I think to something like uh, Dota or Counter Strike, you have spikes where there is an incredibly high demand for precise clicking, precise timing of button pressing, and executing in the correct order. And then there's a relaxation period. You know, in, in CS, it's just like, tweak, shoot the guy, and okay, and tweak, tweak, you know, and you have, again, there's, there's, there's a, a, a spike, but then there's the cool-off period. And StarCraft is essentially one continuous stream of accurate mouse clicks for 15 minutes in a row. And yeah. each one of those is very, very important. And so it... it for me, I love it in the same way that I love rhythm games, where I'm trying to just hit my combos and make sure I don't drop any of the various tasks that I have to do in the base management or in the scouting worker or in the overlord placement or in the build order. Um, so I enjoy it in that regard, but it does demand that you actually have a very even level of focus. And in terms of that social question, where are you going to fit in chatting? How yeah, do you yeah, fit, you know, like there's too much going on up here. Yeah, because Dota is fucking intense when it's intense. You know, like it, every time I try to play mid, I think I become a terrible host for everyone watching my stream. Because yeah. I'm, I'm just trying so hard. All I can squeeze in is moments where I'm like, I'm really trying. I, I, all <laughs> I can do. And then when I best, die, guys. Yeah. Or if I'm like, oh, fuck, I think I need a jungle. Okay, I'm retreating to the jungle and I can feel my brain kind of getting to do this a little bit. So there's like a moment to be able to socialize. And I think that if I look at something like Clash Royale, does demand an incredibly high amount of focus, but the games are so short that you have moments in between to at least chat and do stuff. So um, I don't, I, I have no idea where I'm going with this. All of a sudden, I've, I've hit a place. I have no clue what the next step is. So I'm just going to stop talking. Back to you, Peter. Whoa, 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 whoa. We were talking about uh, like staying focused and being able to communicate <laughs> while playing Dota. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that 1v1 games are just a sort of different texture of experience to the team games. I don't really qualitatively feel more strongly drawn to one over the other. Your, your ability to communicate and especially like say what's going on in your brain to your teammates in like the most efficient and effective manner is like one of the most important skills in Dota. Effective communication is something that when I spent time as a player, that was what we harped on that all the time was like, Hey, was, you know, what you just said. Uh, you know, at like 40 minutes, you said this, this, and this, and that's why having like a coach is like really nice because he can keep track yeah. of all that stuff and say, hey, why did you say that? Was it important for you to say that? 
and how could you have better communicated what was going on in your head uh, next time? And being able to say what you need to say as fast as possible and coherently for your teammates to understand is like the ultimate like hardship in Dota. That's something that teams, yeah. you know, they work on for years, and that's why I'm a big fan of teams like sticking together and kind of having like the same core. You know, we talked about like my time at EG, we developed this certain style of communication that was so much different than everybody else's. Everyone was like, hey, you guys are so calm. You guys are so, you know, you guys win. You don't get excited. You guys lose. You don't react. Like, what's going on? Like, we just, we built, that was like our culture. We built this very calm, very relaxed, very monotone culture. And it helped us be incredibly effective in our communication because it was never fuck yes like we got him like i killed this guy like that like there wasn't there's no moments of excitement like that during our games it's hey good you know that guy died and me as a captain i would you know very occasionally say good job or hey great work everybody because everybody knows that does not matter like yeah sure it builds morale and it builds confidence and you get you know when you're excited you're going to play better because you're you know you're happier but everybody just wants to win and everybody knows that at the yeah, end of the yeah. game you're going to be a winner or you're going to be a loser and losing sucks yeah god it's awesome. the worst man you know i i will say there's there's the whole idea of communication is something that just has always interested me how do you articulate something that's going on in here to the other person to have the desired result you know simple stuff like if, if you're talking to someone who's very upset right now how do you change the way you're talking in that situation to achieve the goal of getting that person to sort of, you know, de-escalate and diffuse. Or, you know, in the case of, you know, stepping into competitive games, one of the things that's always interested me is normal social habits really don't work if you're trying to communicate with a team. Like if you're with a group of friends and you're like, hey, do you guys maybe want to get something to eat? Maybe, yeah, where do you want to go? Uh, maybe Chipotle? You, you add this sort of vagueness on there. You ask for other people's opinions. But if you're in an intense situation, you say, gather here to smoke. You, 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 you command it. And then yeah. if someone does not want to do that, it allows them to say, we shouldn't smoke. We should do this, right? And it's like very clear statements. But if someone says, hey, does, I think someone should buy a smoke. Not clear enough. Too vague, right? But if you're like, very Magnus, big. buy the smoke, right? Oh. And let's gather here and smoke, or whoever. Yeah, but you also... That was like one of the things that I did as a captain. I was constantly parsing for information from my teammates. And I was yeah. saying, hey, you know, we need to buy a smoke. And this is generally me playing like position five, or you know, some people like to yeah. joke position six, um, nice. because I had no money. And I'm like, hey, we need to buy a smoke. That generally means... Hey guys, Peter can't afford to smoke. He can't afford the fifty gold. He's yeah. you know he's buying wards, yeah, buying yeah. stuff with TP. Somebody else has got a somebody else has got to pony up, and then you know they can all use that information and say, okay, I have fifty gold to spare. Let me buy this smoke for the team. Yeah, and I mean that's the sort of thing where like you know it makes sense what you're talking about. Like if your team understands what the meaning of that sort of thing is, what that sort of general statement is, then it works great, and that's totally fine. But everyone has to sort of be on the same page there. And I mean I found that when I've been playing solo queue games. Anytime I make generalized statements, nothing happens. Nothing occurs. But if I like ping and I'm like, guys, go here. And yeah, so yeah. It's always interesting to me to feel the contrast. And I've obviously never, ever come close to doing anything successful competitively in a team game. I'm like straight sure. individual player. So I don't know what the proper things are. But it's just so cool to feel the contrast there. Hey, if you win, you know, you're doing something right. Right, that's, like that's, that's, that's right. a, that's a simple as it is. the strongest 3100 MMR players out there, you know. At any level, man, if you're winning, <laughs> you're doing it right. You know, you were better than your opponents, and that's why you won. 
Um, Depending on the game. There's some games, like Hearthstone, I win a lot of games that I do not deserve to win in the slightest because I'm very lucky. I'm very good at that. Results-oriented gaming. Yeah, that's the beauty of card games, though. Sometimes uh, sometimes you can get away with some things. <laughs> yeah. There's always a little bit of RNG in those games. But. And that's, you know, one of the things I find most interesting about games like poker or about Hearthstone is that humans have a fundamentally bad uh, predisposition to judging anything to do with probability. They just suck at analyzing probabilistic situations. And it's... It was really interesting to me because I played poker like super hardcore. I think everyone who played Brutal War played poker super hardcore for a few years there. And, you know, there were people that I knew who I went to college with who were really smart, sharp, successful people. And you'd say, okay, you need to go all in with ace-king here because of this following reason. And I can show you the math that demonstrates exactly why you need to do that. And it is the best possible play. And the response would be, but what if but what if I don't hit an ace? If I call and then the flop doesn't have an ace, then I can fold and I'm still in the tournament. It's like, okay. Notice how that's incorporated into the math of this equation that shows definitively that the correct thing is to go all in before the flop because you don't have any yeah. chips left in the tournament. Well, that's... It's like, ah, uh, you know, and so are you somebody that plays by plays by the numbers all the time? I am aware that the numbers have an important impact in the situation i mean there's certain things like i happen to know that johnny just really does not like to ever johnny folds too much right like so i'm just going to bet into johnny right that's not really a statistical like doing a huge analysis thing and sure poker table you know you don't have the opportunity to do that but if i'm stuck and i'm unsure how to analyze the situation and you know stepped away from the table and i go "Hmm, let me think about that hand yesterday you can use the numbers in order to get some good definitive results out of it I mean, that's if you break Dota down to its most basic concept, it is a game of numbers and probability, right? It's you yeah. know how how prepared are we for this next team fight? What are our percent? What you know? What are our odds of winning this team fight? Yeah, is you know these? Let's say okay, we have a thirty six percent chance to win this team fight. Are we in a yeah. position where thirty six percent is going to be our best opportunity in the next in the, you know until yeah. the end of this game? Maybe maybe thirty six percent is the best we can do here, and maybe that's a chance you have to take. And it's all about assessing situations and being able to predict future situations to know you know where you stand and kind of what's you know oh we have better late game you know we'll have a a higher percent chance of winning a fight five minutes from now than we would right now so let's wait let's wait until our carry gets that bkb and then you know our percent chances of winning that fight are going to go up 15 percent yeah and i feel like at no point should the goal to be to be able to determine those probabilities and numbers while you're in the game but it's like outside of the game you can use those as ways to go huh it looks like my judgment was off and now i can readjust um you know because i used to i used to starcraft all the time where i'd be like fuck i really need to get three sunken colonies up to defend this sort of attack and at some point uh someone was just like dude just build one sunk you're gonna be fine and I was like, whoa, we're cutting down the defense, but that's so terrible. And he's just like, dude, let me just show you. And he just like built that number of Marines and attacked at that point in time. And I lost the sunken, but he had like two or three Marines left over. And he was like, yeah, so if you just bring your drones and threaten them, there's nothing you can do about it. And I was like, oh, my judgment was totally off. I just did not realize that. And all of a sudden, I just 
have like a shitload more money early in the game. And all of a sudden, I can just build a gas geyser earlier because I don't need to have my drones mining minerals. Oh, my God. I'm going to have a stronger mid-game. Oh, the power of calculation. Uh, so. I wonder how many people are understanding all of your StarCraft references. I, I, I See, you know, at the start of this whole thing, I talked about the importance of having anchoring statements. Not doing any of that shit with these StarCraft references. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it's no, it's, that's okay. I will try to make up for your shortcomings. That's and great. I will, I will, you know, it's, it's a team effort. You know, we're up there together. You're my position five. Exactly. Yeah, I'll That's support wonderful. you, and you'll support me, and hopefully we win, right? That's great. Yeah, no, A+. Plus. A+, plus across the board. Yeah, so uh, are you excited? TI? Oh, my Pretty God. Pretty prestigious event, right? I'm so excited. You know, it. the excitement sort of came in multiple phases for it, you know, because every year I'm always really excited about TI. Like, before I even announce the Day 9 Learns Dota show, you know, the start of this year, um, I I'd already planned to go to the final week of TI and just make that a thing that I was doing. Um, and, of course, it was going to be more exciting than ever because I knew things. Yeah. This is the first time that I had ever, I was going to be able to watch and know things. Awesome. And um, in terms of, like, the professional aspect of it, it was remarkably casual, right? It was like, hey, Sean, we were wondering if you would have interest and availability to work with us at the international. And I went, yep. And they went, great. A little bit of time passes. Hey, we were thinking of you doing some hosting, something like this. Does that work? And I went, sure. And they said, great. It's pretty, pretty non, you know, it's not like a, a college application where it's like, congratulations, you have been invited to host. And then- yeah. yeah, yeah. In terms of my day-to-day -day work, I tend to grind pretty long hours anyways. And so I tend to just stay very focused on the thing that I am doing in the moment. You know, if I'm doing a show, I want to be really dedicated to that show and thoughtful of what the game I'm playing, what the chat's doing, and get everything else out of my head and do that one job as good as I possibly can do. And then just in the middle of me actually playing Diablo 3, um, you know, because there's a new season, Necromancer just came out, and Diablo 3 is a game that is a dopamine factory mixed with a casino wrapped yeah, up my, in an action uh, RPG. My friend, you know, Char do you know Charlie Yang? He's uh, a spell. Yeah, I think he's lost his he's lost his uh he's lost his mind to Diablo 3, so he's, yeah. he's grinding. So I, I know I know the struggle. I've heard yeah, of the struggle. Yeah. I mean, because I, I haven't played Diablo 3 in like years, so I was having someone sort of guide me through, and they were you know power leveling my account up, and then right in the middle of that show. Someone goes, holy fuck, Dana, congratulations, you're hosting TI. And I, I've been doing... Via email, or do they topped on your... Right there in the chat. Like, I had no idea the announcement was going out. Oh. Again, this conversation had happened a few weeks prior about, would you have interest in doing this sort of thing? Yeah. Sure. And, you know... The, well, this is your first time working with Valve, right? Um, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the Valve way, man. Well, this also... It's not unusual compared to, you know, working with other events like, hey, Sean, we want you to host this event. How does this time frame sound? Yeah, sure. Great. And then as information is needed, it gets passed along. You know, I think about the PC gaming show. They're like, hey, Sean, can you host? I was like, sure. And then they said, hey, Sean, you're going to be available this time to do some prep work. I said, OK. And for me, again, it's very like in the moment. And then when it's like Sean's hosting the PC gaming show, no one no one really was like, congratulations. Right. There wasn't this like huge reaction to it. 
until I was actually there doing the event or until I was saying, guys, I'm really excited about the thing. But holy shit, when I was like playing Diablo 3, it was just like, oh my God. And suddenly the gravity of it like really set in and my heart rate spiked in the middle of just like playing casual grinding Necromancer Diablo 3. I was just like, holy holy shit, you know, because I mean, as someone who's been a follower of TI for so long, it's like a huge honor to even be part of the event at all. And now to honestly get like the front row seat, any game that's going to get played, not only do I get to watch, I also have to watch it. So there's nothing that could possibly come in and distract me and interrupt me because I am hey, sorry, I'm working right now. Yeah, exactly. Yes, because I mean, at all the past TIs, you know, there's shit like, oh, I, any normal human interruption, my air conditioner's broken. I got to go fix that and come back and see what happened in the matches, right? No, I have to watch all the matches. So uh, I'm I'm unbelievably excited. Uh, so right now what I'm doing is just trying to grind mental preparation and review the teams and think about how, you know, types of questions I want to ask, what could go good and bad and right and wrong during the hosting and how to steer yeah. all that shit. We should do uh, grindy prep work. We should do a couple meetings during the group stages and. I can uh, ah. I can answer some questions for you along oh, the way. Oh yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm land I'm landing on the 4th. I'm landing on the 4th. Oh, wow, you're not getting until late. I'm going tomorrow actually. So, yeah, I think like some of the people are getting there right away and I know like me and Purge and a few others are arriving a little later on cuz there's I totally get if they're right. hiring us to do an event and they don't need us, I don't think it's fair for them to go or for me to go, you know what, fly me out early and cover that hotel cost as well. I just want to watch and just, just smoke while everyone else is working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, I don't know. I kind of, I understand what you, where you're coming from, but for me, I feel like being there and saying, Hey, this is, you know, this is my job. Like I have to watch these matches. It's, you know, and be there with the players and be able to talk to them in between games, catch up with them when they're eating lunch, you know? Yeah go into EG's practice room and see what's going on and like really understand like what this event means to them and kind of see that behind the scenes. I think that'll give me a lot more when I hop up on yeah, the analyst yeah. desk and I have to That's talk awesome. to everyone about the game. So yeah. Cause I know I'm going to be watching like every single match yeah. like, well, on Wednesday. Uh, it's probably just going to be me and purge watching matches together on air. Sure. We'll catch up. Uh, we'll catch up when you get in then. Oh yeah, man. So, uh, so yeah, you had like the big announcement, right? Like, you know, you said like you hosted the PC Gamer thing. There wasn't a huge announcement for that. But now like it's like, oh, all of a sudden this huge announcement. Day 9's hosting TI. You get this like huge Reddit thread. You know, tons of people are commenting. Everybody's Everybody's got to share their opinions. Everyone's got to talk about yeah. Day 9. What's, you know, who's this guy? Who's Day 9? And, oh, Day 9's the best. Um, he, he's a slightly above average player. Uh, he will yeah. be the host. Yeah. Well, I mean. You've gotten you've gotten good pretty quickly. You said what was your MMR right now? Thirty one hundred, almost thirty one hundred. And how long have you been playing Dota? Just shy of a year. Just shy of a year. That's that's pretty solid, I think. I know a lot of people who can't props say that for themselves. Yeah, props, props to Purge. purge. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, that, I think, I, I think your bit. long career in RTS, like third person perspective games, helps you a ton too. That that does help. Like yeah, so, hitting buttons and moving mice around is no problem, not an issue. Yeah, but it's like this is like that type of game, right? So if you played like Age of Empires or Warcraft Three or Command and Conquer, yeah. like you, you you kind of get the gist of it. You know what your you know which character you are. You know how to move him. You understand that he has abilities, yeah, and yeah. there's certain like a hold position, stop. Um, 
you know, those things come a little bit more naturally to somebody who has an experience in gaming rather than somebody who picked it up for the first time. Yeah, I, I had I had a lot of leg ups going into all that. Definitely. Stuff. Yeah, which makes you even a more even a more qualified host. Um, yeah, I, I just I just really want to make sure that I do a good job and show the proper respect to the community that it deserves because there's a lot of events where like. <laughs> Did you just roll your eyes? <laughs> no, you'll be, you'll be fine. You don't have to like. You just have to be yourself. That's all the respect that you yeah. need to give it. Regardless, at every single event that I host, I want to make sure that I am putting in that effort and doing a proper job. Because you know, for instance, if you know, if if the Smash community was like, "Hey, do you want to host or cast an event?" I would say, well, "I have real concerns about even doing this at all. I don't play the yeah. game. I don't know any of the stuff. I I I I worry that I would not give the proper." I don't know, deference to the game that it deserves because, you know, that was what I grew up with with Brood War was it was not just a game I played. It was like me. Like when I wasn't at school, it's what my, me and my friends were talking about. It's what I was playing. I met tons of close friends through that. I learned about myself through playing this game. And if there was some host up there who'd like never played the game, it would it would hurt me a little bit. And I just yeah. never want to be that. And it's so... Tough. Yeah, it's tough. It's really, really tough. And I, I have like similar um, thoughts as well. You know, for me, I didn't yeah. honestly, I didn't play that much Dota this year. I really, you know, I took a step back and really got I like got in, involved in other games. And I finally didn't right, have right. to play Dota 10 hours a day for my job. And I was able to do a lot of different things. And Dota kind of took a backseat for quite a while. And then when sure. I learned about, you know, I learned that I wasn't going to be casting at the majors and, you know, whatever, like, controversy there is there whatever and then i you know they they contacted me or I, I did dac and then i did the summit and then they contacted me and said hey do you want to do t like we want you to do ti i was like first off honored and grateful for right, the opportunity yeah. but at the same time i was like i gotta play some dota you know i gotta yeah. i gotta get back into it and i recognize and i understand that i will never well until i actually go out and like play for a competitive team which probably will never happen again um I'll never have the same understanding that I had before. And yeah, all these guys yeah. at TI, like it's my job as an analyst to like kind of explain what's going on in their heads. But Dota moves and changes so fast that if you're not actively a part of the community and the game, you can't keep up. Yeah. And I, I last thing I want to do is be somebody up there just making stuff up. So, yeah, and, and I think that's like a really interesting point to bring up because it comes to like, how do you then change your communication as a host or as an analyst in order to not misstep that? You know, like um, in in StarCraft, whenever I would cast, I would have the awareness that I was never going to be as good as any of the players. So instead of saying, this is a good build, you'd want to say, this has been a build that was popular, that, that this player did and that this player did. Exactly. You know, you want to be able to try to reference a thing that occurred and to say it was strong there instead of trying to act too much like a figure of authority. And of course, you can fuck that up all the time because you just be like, I love this build. It's a great build, right? But it's like the awareness. You're yeah. try, at least trying not to do it. Those were some of my biggest complaints about uh, some of the casters that have been a part of the Dota 2 scene for a long time. And not to name names, but just people that would say, hey, you know, I don't understand why I did this. Like this, he should have gone this other item. Like, why would you say that? You're not as good as them. Like, they're legitimately just better at that you in the game. They're the ones playing yeah. in the competitive games. Who are you to tell them that this is a, you know, a poor item choice or a poor decision it's you know why yeah. did he make this decision why did he feel that this was the best decision to make because you know that he's trying to win the game he's doing everything in his power to win the game why would he purposely make a bad decision yeah and, but i'm also at the same time sympathetic a little bit to that I, i'm actually curious if this is 
how you feel whenever you're like doing hosting or uh, casting or analyzing. For me, I it's like I almost think in terms of bullet points for my next few sentences of how I actually want to structure what the hell I'm saying. So that way, most of me is improvising and I'm just trying to make sure that I'm taking steps towards my destination. And as a result, all these little quirks of how I talk and how I react to things, changing those feels like steering an oil tanker. I've, I have a couple like really bad habits in speaking that have been so hard to get rid of. Um, and some that still happen now that I'm just trying so hard to get rid of. And well, the great thing about stepping out of your element and getting into Dota versus being in StarCraft is you'll probably be much more objective and your subjective opinions and ideas and thoughts won't really come out in your presentation. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm empathetic to that caster who sees a thing, goes like, ooh, that item choice is a mistake. He shouldn't have done that, you know, because technically what he might mean is that I think was the moment where he may have made a choice here and perhaps this could have helped him out of that situation, you know, but you just react emotionally because once you have an experience with a game, everything is very visceral to you in a way that it's not just information. It, it hurts yeah. you a little bit when you see an item get picked that you think is wrong. You're just like, no, it doesn't yep. fit on that hero. Yep. And that's that's the beauty of the game. Making, making bad decisions and purchasing bad items is part of the beauty of, you know, your own player-specific style. It's, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I give Eternal Envy a lot of shit, and I'm kind of famous for it because like I always I love I but I, he's my favorite he's one of my favorite players to watch. Yeah. Whenever Envy is playing in a game, that's a game that I want to cast, and it's not because I'm I'm not a fan of his. I am a fan of his, but I'm a fan of him making poor decisions or making making his own unique style of decisions that either leads to his amazing victory or his tragic defeat, and that's an awesome storyline for me as a viewer to watch and experience. Yeah. I also think it's so interesting that with the amount of complexity and depth in the game, I always imagine that when a person sits down and they begin to play, um, there will be some small goal that they'll be trying to do. Like maybe the, let me just go back to Starcraft because it's, it's what you know best. I gotta go home. Um, you know, you have a player who just would initially try to do lots of all ends. Why? Because he just he wanted to win the game with a nice attack, and he thought that that was the way to do it. So he would focus on these all-ins, and then he would start to understand nuance and texture to these all-ins, and maybe learn, like, oh, instead of just trying to commit, I can deal damage, and then do a second follow-up attack and kill him with that. And you see one of those players evolve over three or four years, and this is a player who is always attacking, just constantly getting in their opponent's face, constantly hurling units whenever I'd be like, now's a good time to make drones. This player would make a round of units and do something with it. And I would just be yep. like, and for me as a, you know, as a Zerg player in Brood War, I was very much so the opposite. I'm a very defensive, very like controlly space managing kind of player. Maybe I might do some sort of counterpoint harass stuff, but I am not going to be the person who goes low econ and tries to attack you a lot. I will always look for an excuse to build drones. And in a sense, I built up a mental model of, just good uh, rules of thumb that I abide by. And this aggressive player has built up his own mental model of his rules that he abides Absolutely. by. And we both found success in this. But if we were to try to sit down and explain our strategies to the other person, it would just feel wrong in both directions. Yeah. And it makes me wonder I'm, if... I have a really know, great example of that, yeah. actually. Um, you know, I have like same, like very similar to you. I am a very low-risk player. I almost always take the defensive option to further analyze the situation and make a more clear, advantageous decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
and that's that's always been my play style and that's something that i've you know i personally had to push myself out of my comfort zone playing with you know a player like sumail who is an ultra aggressive um kind of player is you know i had to i had to kind of give in and learn you know try and learn as much as i could from him and sure you know we would definitely clash over certain things um you know, looking back at previous major tournaments, we look at MVP Phoenix, the Korean team, uh, led by Kyo, who yeah. they were just ultra aggressive. They would pick five melee lineups. They would do Spirit Breaker and Ricky supports, which people were like, no one else was doing it, right? Like it was their yeah. own unique specific thing. And they were winning games. They were winning tournaments. And people were like, I, I, I don't understand how they're winning with these drafts. But the reason that they won with these drafts is because those drafts gave them the best chance to win the game and win the tournament because they personally as a team played the best with those heroes so who's to say that they are playing the game improperly when it's it's helping them win as much as they possibly can and when i uh i made like a little kind of you know put together kind of throw around team this year uh called team wanted and q was on my team and him and i were trying to communicate about the game and we were both very talented very very talented players and it just didn't work. Like we just clashed and he had different opinions and I had different opinions. And, you know, we thought maybe yeah. there'd be this really cool blend of styles, but it, you know, it was just, they, both of them were just too different for us to really kind of get together and agree yeah. on a style of play that worked and made sense for both of us. Yeah. I remember, I can't remember who it was who said this to me where, you know, I was, um, so when I was a very young brood war player, and I was trying to talk about like, okay, I'm playing against this person tomorrow in the big tournament. I'm thinking of, I've seen in his games, he does this and he does that. And, you know, maybe maybe I should actually do this sort of cheese or maybe I'm thinking of going to this like all mutilist build. And I still remember who it was. It was just like, dude, just only do whatever you're, you're most comfortable with. Like he's not that good. Just, just do what you're most, you will always have more success doing the wrong thing, but doing a really good job of it as opposed to trying to do the in theory right thing that you're uncomfortable with and that you're going to make a lot of execution errors. Exact same thing in Dota. You know, you get down to your very last pick of the game and you say, okay, I, I go, hey, Sumail, or, you know, hey, whoever, um, this hero would be really great in the situation. I understand this oh, isn't a hero we haven't practiced very much, but I feel yeah. like it could be a huge influence and possibly give us the advantage to win this game. Um, people talk about TI5 when I played AA. You know, it was a hero we had never played in the entire tournament, Ancient Apparition, and I decided, you know, this is the perfect game for this hero. You know, everything that's happening on their team and our team, it makes sense for this hero. And it wasn't a hero that I ever... That was an awesome we, game, by the way. We never practiced it, ever. We, I never played it, but I had played it in pubs, and I was comfortable with the hero enough to have the yeah. confidence to actually play it. And it turned out being, like, almost the perfect pick. And that is like a unique example but like you can go to the other side of that where maybe you know maybe a wouldn't have been the best pick like what if i picked aa and i just fed and it didn't work people would say oh maybe you know and then you could say maybe i should have picked a hero i was more comfortable on and our team was more comfortable playing with because it would have given us a better chance to win the game because the perfect hero isn't always right for that specific game because of the players and teammates that you have. So yeah, I remember you talked a lot about that with the early drafts of uh, the finals of TI five where you're like, yeah, we just thought, you know, maybe this hero is better, but this is a big comfort pick. So we just went with the comfort pick here. Exactly. And you don't want to get eliminated at a $23 million tournament, picking something that you haven't practiced before. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 
if we're going to lose, let's go out. Oh, you know, let's use all the preparation. You know, oh. We've been preparing for this tournament for 11 months. Let's let's just do what we practice. And if it's not good enough to win, then we can be okay with that. I've lost Last so many fucking do. tournaments just like because I'm like, oh, maybe I can do this weird thing. It's like something I've like never done. And StarCraft is heavily execution and practice and preparation focused. What was I thinking? Like, I'm talking about it. I know the game I'm talking about. It hurts. It hurts right now. That was 11 years ago. I still remember WC 2006 in the finals. I was really pissed off and I five pooled a guy. What was I thinking? Oh my God. I yeah, lost man. immediately and my brother had to cast it and be like, I could hear in his tone. He's like, This is John going to lose, man. What is he yep. doing? TI6 grand uh, finals, man. Or not grand finals, but lower bracket finals up against DC. Same same exact thing for me there, man. Like we we were confident and we came in with this whole new game plan and strategy and we just, you know, we just followed our unique ideas for this specific series a little too much and yeah. we, tra- we trapped ourselves and yeah. totally like totally screwed us over, you know, totally shot ourselves in the foot sort of thing. And uh you know what? We gave up a couple million dollars in prize money because of it. So I gotta, I gotta live with that. Shit happens. <laughs> yeah, we, we got our asses kicked by wings, anyways. That team was impressive. I don't remember. Wings was wing. You know, when I, I went I, to the. Oh, go ahead. I, I went to the winter bracket finals up against Wings, and I'm like, I take a lot of pride in my ability to draft and strategize around the game. But when you, when I looked at Wings, I said. Guys, I have no idea what to do. And everyone was like, <laughs> neither do we. So then we we're just like, okay, let's, let's yeah. start from zero. Oh, let's start God. with a blank page and let's see what we can, you know, try and figure out. But that team was that team was something special. You know, I feel like there's a memory muscle that begins to get built as you understand a game more, where there's so many associations and connections that like everything yeah. has meaning, you know, where over time, I now understand, okay, here are the rough positions that people line up in, and here's why you should always hate a jungler. Like, all right, cool. And it makes it much easier for me to remember lineups. But, you know, TI5 and TI6, I, unless there was a strong moment associated with it, I, you know, I don't remember any of the specific drafts that Wings was doing. I, I, they were playing very aggressively. Was because that right? they were never the same. They were always different. Huh. That was why you could never predict what they were going to do. You know, I could go and look at other teams' drafts and replays and say, hey, you know, they love first phasing these two heroes. I looked at Wings. They had 16 different heroes in their first two picks. And I go, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> these guys are just changing up their thoughts around the game because they feel like it. I mean, how, that's that's something you can't predict. You can't prepare for. If you're a team, like, in, in your eyes, how... If, let's say you're preparing for a tournament. Let's just like say you have a bunch of majors in a row, and for each major, are there specific heroes that you wind up building around, or is there an idea that you try to go for and establish a suite of heroes that execute that? And then when you're in the draft, you're trying to steer towards that game plan every time, or is it more like fluid than that? Because I don't even know how a team that is preparing thinks about the pool. I can imagine gotcha. if I'm in mid and I'm like, all right, you know what? Yeah. Here's my here's my five mid heroes that I'm comfortable with. Yep. Pick so one, each, Captain. I gotcha. So each each game or each tournament, each kind of season or period of time has its own meta, right? Yeah. And inside that meta, there's a lot of heroes that are popular because people feel that they're very strong based on the balance of their spells and abilities and you know the math and the numbers behind everything that's happening. 
um, the items, you know, getting buffed and nerfed. You know, those, you know, if if, if Bloodstone yeah. gets, you know, Bloodstone gets buffed and Timbersaw and Storm Spirit, you know, buy Bloodstone all the time, then those heroes buffed. are indirectly buffed, right? right? So you have, you know, all those factors, all those, you know, all those moving pieces coming together, and you, and then players will identify which heroes are their favorites to play in this patch, and yeah. then. You know, we had something we called the document is what we called it, which is essentially just, you know, a Google Drive document where I would, sh- I would share with everybody and they would go through and they type their favorite heroes, the heroes they felt that they were the, that were the strongest, you know, in like ranking order. And then but underneath that, I would make a tab and I would say, OK, what kind of a tool is this hero? Does this hero bring team fight? Does this hero bring catch? Does this hero bring push? When do you need this hero? And then I would go through the drafts and I have this huge document thing and it would say, yeah, I'd look at the draft. I'd look at our draft. I'd look at their draft and I'd say, Hey, we need more team fight. Okay. We don't have a universe here left. Uh, we don't have a universe hero picked yet. What do we need? Oh, universe has Tidehunter. He has Panda Brewmaster. He has Enigma. Uh, which one of those three heroes that brings us a lot of team fight is going to work best in this game. And then, then you would determine that almost like a separate, like another kind of subtopic would say, Oh, Enigma is really good in lane versus melee heroes. Or Enigma's really good in games where, you know, it doesn't look like you can challenge the offlane. You know, so Enigma you'd have like can a just category you were trying to fulfill, and then you'd say, okay, so any of these will fulfill the big category. Yes. Who's the best specific one for this nuanced yes. situation? And you get, you want to be as specific as possible because every hero is a specific tool in the game, and there's a hundred right. hundred different tools that you could use, and you have to try and make the best decision. And these categories are just ones that you made up. Right, it's just like they're common I mean, themes. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean like, what is this fictional bullshit of a team fight? I don't believe in that. Um, no, it is not I mean, real. <laughs> but it's like the metrics along which you are evaluating were your own self-created metrics, right? Like this is not absolutely. Like, it, uh, other teams would probably use different styles. Abs- definitely, absolutely. What are other ones you've heard of? Um, like, uh, what do you mean? Uh, styles of preparing for drafting, like how different teams think about heroes. I don't know. I don't really. I don't think anybody's really been too clear about coming out and saying it. I feel like almost just what I told you was almost like privy to information that a lot of people hadn't heard before. <laughs> Everyone's watching. That's a really good idea. I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Guys, we'll see. Create our the document. I, I imagine there's not a lot of players or not a lot of players or you know coaches and stuff tuning in right now just because. Yeah. They got enough on their plate at the moment, so. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, no, I, I feel like I have a lot, and I do not think I will ever have as much stress as players preparing for this tournament. Like, I'm just trying to review their games and read about them on Liquipedia and talk to you now about drafts and more over the weekend and ask Purge questions, try to play a little bit myself. I can't imagine the gravity of trying to prepare for that scale of tournament. It's just another tournament. It really is. That's Such like I tell work. people... I tell people, you know, in 2015 year we we won DAC and then we won TI. It's we kind of just got lucky. It was just a timing thing. You know, we happened. You know, sure, like we prepared more for major tournaments than other ones, but it was just you know that the meta worked best for our team and our players. And you know, some teams lost that we didn't think we could beat because their play styles were you know matched up better against ours, and we played against the right opponents and we played against them at the right time, and it just. You know, it it's it's a little bit of luck and, you know, it's hard work and luck and timing and combination of a lot of things. And that's why it's really hard to predict who will win the international, because there's arguably like eight or nine teams that could win. That is so awesome. 
Yeah, that's I why love, it's going to be super hype. I uh, one of the things like a lot of the esports that I really love have consistency of who's at the top. And so you have identities that have been evolving over the course of many years, but also just variants, just good old plain and not variants in the sense of like, well, we flipped the coin and the thing happened. So that sucks. It looks like John lost today because it was tails. Just the yep. the po- the possible set of outcomes and the volatility that emerges from that that just always gives that tension because that's what I you know have found so fun is as someone who did not know who any of the specific heroes or strategies were, but I grew up on Team Liquid. Oh my God, Team Liquid's plan. Oh my God, and EG was huge in StarCraft. And here's EG here, you know, and then like who's Who's Ehome? What's what's the big deal with Ehome? Huh? Who are IG? And you just keep seeing the same names again and again and again and again. Uh, There's, a lot, know, I, yeah, There's a lot of so history. There's a lot of history. It's so cool. Yeah. Been around forever. Um, tell me something you're nervous about. Sounds like you have a little bit of anxiety about hosting the international. Um. Or are you totally cool? You got this. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't really get too nervous about these sorts of things. Um. I get really excited. I think the only thing I ever really get nervous about is uh, having problems sleeping for whatever reason. That's that's about it because I don't like being tired if I'm trying to do a show. But for the most part, I just get really excited about doing hosting things. Are you a coffee coffee person? Oh my person? god, are you kidding me? I'm a coffee person, dude. <laughs> I want to drink coffee right now. Like seriously, if you're like, hey, what do you want to do on Saturday on the event? I want to drink coffee for a few hours. Like, coffee's the best, man. Coffee is... Seattle's got some good perfect. coffee. That's what I heard. It's going to be great, man. I'm excited to... Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to move there, potentially. Oh, there, there, there is something that I do sometimes get nervous in, which is tense matches. I, I actually get meaningfully nervous during those. I get stressed out. It's hard. Like, if... Uh, I remember Hungrybox at the Evo that he won in Melee. Yeah. That entire set, well, I was strung out. And when he won, I, like, jumped. And I was, oh, my God. He's, like, crying. And I'm, like, teary and shit. That happens. And Fighting I mean, game events are cool. I was just yeah. at Evo. So. God, what, a, what a beautiful event. What just an incredible event every year. I, Fighting the, games are hype. I try, to, I try to tell all my Dota, like, people that watch my stream when I play Dota or, you know, follow me through Dota. I said, hey, just, just watch an FGC tournament one weekend. Pick one of the really good ones and just check it out. And just like try to be connected and such a because it is like it's that 1v1 model where you don't really have anyone to blame but yourself. And there's, oh, yeah. it's it's so competitive and it's so close and anyone can beat anybody. And you can you know, see the emotion in the player. You can see when they're starting to slip. You can see them drop combos. and You're like, oh, my God, that man is nervous. Yeah, it's got like uh, it, it's never really over until it's over, which I think yeah. is really cool. Right. Because it's. All of a sudden, this person could, you know, they could hit you 20 yeah. times in a row and you just keep like, you know, they keep blocking all your attacks. Yeah, your or... ability to impact the game is the same at all points in the match. You just Pretty happen much. to have yeah. lower health. Yeah. God, oh, this, oh, the stress. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I don't want to I don't want to lose my shit when I'm up there. Where I'm like, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, you know, like, fuck. <laughs> do you feel like do you feel like because of that reason you're a better host than a caster? Or how do you do you think you're? I mean, you've done casting as well. Um, for me, I think that I only ever feel qualified to cast something if I have a substantial amount of knowledge to it, um, and I prepare about game knowledge related things. 
Um, for hosting, it's it's a different skill set. I don't necessarily think of it as like I'm better or worse or I prefer one or the other. Um, I think that I'm, I'm unqualified to cast Dota. That, that there's sure. a simple answer there. I can I can definitely not cast a game of Dota because I couldn't explain what the hell's going on. Um, hosting, I, I would feel more comfortable with in the Dota scene, a hundred percent, absolutely, because I have the ability to rely on other uh, people's brains. Sure, happy to help. Happy yeah, to, no, happy Thank to be of assistance. I'm so excited. It's a great brain. It's, it's a good it's brain. Unbelievable. The closer we get to TI. Like the more like I get those like butterflies in my stomach where I'm just like, yeah. it's GI time. I know, and like any, it, it's these just weird emotional things that happened. Like I, um, you know, I've been playing a lot of Phantom Lancer primarily because I just think he is so cool. I, I I'm not at the phase of skill where I need to worry no, about who the best I, one is. I have my favorite heroes too. Who, love, who are your favorite heroes? I love Undying. I think the I think oh, Zombie. Yeah. I think he's just a total boss. Yeah. Love it. Pudge. He's like the like so. Whenever I play any kind of games, I'm always like the I always pick the biggest and most disgusting character. So like when I play Mario Kart, I'm always Bowser. Oh, like, and that like Black and Magic: The Gathering and Necromancer: Warcraft Three. Sure, I mean I didn't play Abomination, but it, um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't play Magic. That's what, I missed out on Magic. Oh. So. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. dog. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's my thing. So Undying is great. I got a, I got a real soft spot for Crystal Maiden. My uh, she's she she has my heart. So position five player here. I, I can't help Classic, it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, like I've been playing Phantom Lancer, and then I saw uh, Secret choose Phantom Lancer. And now Secret's your favorite team. Well, I mean, I saw it, and I was like, oh my god, I want, I can't wait to watch this game. And like again, it's this weird emotional. Like I want to, I want to see how it, how it happens. You know, um, it's really interesting to sort of track all that sort of stuff. No, definitely. Huh. Well, oh, I was going to ask you. So, it's obviously that you're very excited for StarCraft Brood War remastered, oh. but TI kind of has this magical effect on people where they watch TI and then they all of a sudden decide, man, I need to play some more Dota. Do you feel like? Do you feel like? Are you are you predicting that kind of effect, or is it just you finish cat? Are you finish hosting TI and then you're going straight back to StarCraft? Um. So there's a couple layers to that. First of all, in terms of content, I'm just going to do Brood War content. Like there's there that that has been chosen for me at birth, man. It's like my favorite thing in the universe has been remastered. I'm going to do the fucking content. So I have about yeah. ten weeks or so planned of like introductory content. Um, and the goal of it is to be very, I'm getting into Brood War, how the hell do you play this game? Let's assume you've never even played a single match, you can start watching this series and begin to build up some knowledge. Maybe um, you should teach Purge. Maybe I should. Maybe I'm going to have a little conversation with Purge. Purge and I are still going to be doing Wednesday Dota, though. Um, so after TI, that will continue. And so yeah. I think that um, for me as a person, um, Dota and... Brood War, I'm super hyped about both of them. I would imagine that just in terms of playing time, I'm probably going to binge a little hard on Brood War right when it comes out. But Dota is currently like my go-to social game. Like all my friends are playing Dota, yeah. you know, hop on at the end of the day. So um, I don't necessarily view it as a starting or stopping or a going anywhere of anything. Um, so in, in that regards, as a person, I'm probably going to be just doing both. As a content creator, I'm 100% doing both. Um and if anyone else is more into Dota afterwards, 
no big deal. The series is going to be going on for a long time. That's come great. On, come on, watch some Brood War, man. You know, you should play some Dota, too. I just think competitive games are just lovely and awesome. And StarCraft happens to be the one that's a little near and dear to my heart. I grew up playing it. It was my childhood. So, you know, it's hard She'll for be, any game to overtake is that. It, is it a possibility to see you at any of Dota tournaments next year that aren't TI? Um, I would I would imagine, yes. But, I, I you know, I until I have those discussions with an organizer, I don't want to be like, yes, I'm going to be at everything. Because I don't want to... Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm just—I was curious what your interests were because I know—I mean, TI is a really cool gig for sure. Um, other ones are a little less prestigious, but um, you know, if you're if you're that interested in Dota, then maybe you know, maybe a oh, sure. would be willing to do. Oh no, I mean, I have my interest is there certainly. I mean, right now, I think that the only <laughs> my current big struggles there's a lot of things that I find cool right now, and how do you sort of balance all of them? You know, like we've, we've talked about Brewer, we've talked about uh, Dota, Hearthstone, also has an expansion coming out at some point in August. And I'm really excited about that. Hearthstone is my game that I, I don't play to try to scratch competitive itch. I yeah. play it because it's like it's like this Rube Goldberg machine that amuses the shit out of me. It is like the ideal game at the end of a long day if I just kind of want to watch watch Netflix and chill by myself, literally. Yeah. It's it's great. You know, you just have the have the shitty aliens in Australia documentary on this screen. We got yeah. Hearthstone on this screen. I got a glass of whiskey and I'm just doing that and that's a blast oh, too. So you're 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 doing it right. Yeah, I mean for me, like I, I tend to I just play a lot of games. So it's kind of like depending on my mood, I do a different thing. Uh you know, a lot of times if I have work calls, um I just need to be doing something with my hands. I mean, even seeing me in this call, I'm like very fidgety. So I'll play Rocket League. And just do that just to have something to occupy my hands and my head is not really in the game. And I play worse, but I don't care. I'm just trying to get the sensation. Uh, you know, Dota is a very cool learning experience for me because I'm really new. And I'm really, uh, I don't know, I'm, there's a shitload for me to learn and I'm kind of bad. And that's fun. That's a, that's a unique, fun thing to feel some capability. And then to learn some and to feel more capability. And also I know how much more there is to go. And then StarCraft is a mix of just unbearable, not unbearable, just unbelievable nostalgia and comfort. And um, there's so much more button pressing in StarCraft than in any yeah. other game. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone who loves rhythm games because I just love the feeling of hitting buttons. So it, like, pleases me that way. And Hearthstone's like my chill, hangout, relaxed game. Games gotcha. are the best, man. I love games. Games, games are great. Uh, how do you feel, how hard do you think Dota is to, like, learn? Because I know there's... There's something satisfying about doing something new and being able to like track the progression of your learning. Yeah. And do you feel like that's pretty easy to do in Dota? Like, do you like derive that from your MMR? Or do you just feel like you have a better understanding, or do you have like epiphanies, um, you know, after see. each and every game where you're just like, oh, wow, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've said this, so I have I have a lot of opinions about learning and the difficulty of Dota and all that stuff, and I, I think. To frame everything I'm about to say, I think that the there's different types of difficulty when you're talking about an experience. Like in Dota, it is difficult to accumulate all the knowledge and skills that exist. That is just that requires tens of thousands of hours. You have to play all these different roles, all these different heroes, know all these different nuances, know all these counters, know all the items, know when do you choose weird items on bad characters. Yeah, it's difficult to obtain all of that knowledge but how much knowledge do you need to have in order to have a good time i was shocked 
because everyone is always like, Dota is so hard. It's the most hard game. Oh my God, it's so hard. And then I like sat down to play and I was just having a lot of fun pretty immediately. And I knew I knew nothing, but it didn't fucking matter. You know, I, I, I think about the first time I played Rocket League, I was crying with laughter because I'm a little car trying to crash into a ball. And it didn't matter if I was succeeding or failing. It was just so pleasing to just be doing that. And that's kind of what I felt with Lena, where, you know, it, it's really amusing that my R is click on someone and deal a shitload of damage. That's just funny, man. Because, like, I'm clueless and I'm like, that guy's low on health. It's like such a loud sound effect and the guy, like, explodes and golds merge from his body. And I'm like, tee hee hee. Um, I think that is not talked about enough, how fast you can have fun and what are the easy ways to tap into that fun. Um, so that's one piece. I also think that in terms of the learning of Dota, many of the bits of knowledge in Dota are, I make a statement and you get it now. And now you have it. Cool. Like, carry a town portal, scroll around always if there's a Bloodseeker on the other team. Because if you get ruptured, you can TP out and he doesn't have a disable to interrupt it. Man, that you had makes some, sense. You had some rough times with Bloodseeker, I can tell. Yeah, he, he, really, he, he fucked me up pretty good <laughs> for a while because uh, I learned what rupture was. But then um, I didn't know this at the time, but my dear friends did not give me the audio cue for what rupture is. And that's how you know, because there's basically no animation, but there's a really loud sound effect. Yeah. Uh, so I continue to die to rupture because I just did not know what that sound effect was. Now I do. Cool. Um, but again, that, that little bit of knowledge is really useful or other little things. If you're against a Zeus in mid lane, buy a stick early because he casts so many spells. You're killing it, man. You get it. Oh, oh. You're ready, you're ready to cast TI, I think. Now, don't, once I get through five more of these, I'm dry. I got nothing else, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. going to stick with my five bits of knowledge. But again, anyone who hears that goes, right. That, correct, 100%. Yep. But there's like four million of those. So acquiring the knowledge of each one is very straightforward. There happens to be a lot of them. And so I really enjoy that experience of as I'm playing and as my friends are making comments or as I'm watching games, it's like there's a little bit of knowledge. There's a little bit of knowledge. There's a little bit of knowledge. And it's kind of like popcorn, right? You just you just keep throwing them back. There have been some large conceptual hurdles for me to overcome, like uh, – and even still, choosing good places to be if I'm a support. Um, if any of you, anyone's watched Day Nine Learns Dota for the last two months or so, I mean, this is what Purge is harping on all the time. It's just like, you're not doing anything. You're not being useful right now. Where should you go? And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. To lane, uh, to soak experience. And he's it's like, a totally, totally different wrong. game. It's a totally yeah. different game than playing carry or playing mid or offline. Yeah. And so I think that there's large scale concepts that are tough. Incidentally, I have a coach who knows what the fuck he's talking about and is yelling at me about them. And so I feel the difficulty because in every single game it is presented to me. However, if I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have a coach, I'm just some guy who's hopping into play. I'm gobbling up little bits of knowledge. I'm having a blast blowing shit up, assuming you're playing a fun enough character. Like I went from Lena to Nature's Prophet and I love having little summonables. So that was fun. And then I went to Zeus. And I was like, I love nuking heroes. And I started to play nuking heroes. I tried Skywrath Mage out and shit, right? Like, I just gravitated towards the fun shit. I think that there's an extraordinary amount of those that just carried me into additional games before Purge ever told me anything. That's six months of doing that. Um, yeah, it's it's cool how everybody has, like, their own kind of, oh, I, I think these heroes are fun. Yeah. For, for whatever reason it might be. 
yeah, the, the one hero that did make me play the game every year, Omer would, uh, Omer's my friend who introduced me to Dota. Thanks, Omer. Um, every year he'd be like, hey, you know, here's what's happening at TI. Let me explain the game to you. Here's what they're doing in that match. Maybe you should play sometime. And the, the, at, he'd been saying that a lot. And the hero that tipped me over the edge was Elder Titan. Yeah. Because he's just so fucking cool. Like the sound effect that like, like the stomp and like the neat. crack of the earth shatter. Like the audio on that hero is so amazing. He's the been, audio uh, of the hero made me play better. Yeah, he's been making a comeback too. I think he might actually get picked at TI a couple times. One time. Come on. One time. No, I would expect DC and Bulba. I think Bulba still is in love with that hero. I'm pretty sure he's going to play it. He, he spams it in pubs. My new favorite player. <laughs> uh, wait, wait till you go to the after party before you say that. Sam's uh, no, Bulba, no. Bulba's I'm a character. No, no. I'm going to say it right now. Don't ah. you tell me what to do. I love Bulba. Ah, I'm, I'm trying to look guy. out for you, man. No, I can look out for myself. I'm an adult just as vehemently as I am claiming he's my favorite right now. The instant I meet him, I'll be like, who is this appalling thing? I'm done with you, Bulba. I'm over. I don't like Elder Titan. That's fine. I can vacillate. No problem. Let's go, man. But right now, he plays Elder Titan. Fuck yeah, he's the man. I'm into him. All right, Bulba's the man. I, I agree. don't even know what he I looks think... like, but his name sounds very rounded. Yeah, Bulba's, uh, Bulba's a great guy. An interesting character. One of, one of the few um, standout characters in the Dota scene. <laughs> a true unique personality and is not afraid to show it. So I hope you do get to meet him. Oh, he's I'll a try unique and... New York. That's great. Yeah, I'll, I'll intro you. Um, just, just make sure. You... <laughs> I can see memories popping in right behind your eyes because you you're sitting there, and then they widen, and your head tilts, and the big grin comes in. And I, I... just can't, ugh, I just can't do it anymore, man. It's too much. Bubble <laughs> too much for me. <laughs> oh man, yeah, Elder Titans. But great. oh, that being said, for somebody new. <laughs> For somebody new, Bulba is amazing. But the thing is, like, you'll go to a party with Bulba, and he'll tell you, he'll tell everybody the same stories that I've heard a hundred times, because that's what Bulba does. Maybe they're good stories, you they know? They are amazing stories, but I've heard them a million times. So for me, it's just not great. But for everyone else, he's a he's a great like Fantastic. party with Bulba twice. You'll love him. Three times, eh, you'll you'll start to understand. That's awesome. All right. Yeah. You'll have fun. This is my um, cat, by the way. Here's Despy. Come here, Despy. Let's get you on cam. That's a good cat. Oh, she likes scritches right now. I think she might plop down, but for now, uh, for now, I am a <laughs> head and a large gray cat. Perfect. Let's get some eyebrows in there. Ah, ah. Yeah. Well, I think we're about. I think we're about to our time limit. You said you had to go um, after oh, like. No. I can. I can leave at five thirty. At 5.30, so we have 16 more minutes. Okay. 16 more minutes, so let's podcast the fuck out of this. All right, let's keep going. What, uh, let's talk about, oh, how are you doing with the, uh, I saw you posted a video recently about toxicity, and I think you were specifically talking about Dota 2, and I, I have some interesting, unique thoughts on the subject. I would love to hear like a quick summary from you, and then we can yeah. kind of go back and forth about it. So... I, I wasn't specifically talking about Dota 2 in general, just like I've been part of gaming communities my whole life. And, you know, there's been varying degrees of toxicity and whatnot. I'm, I'm a pretty resilient person, as is. Like, you know, I can lose pretty heinous games. I mean, I, I get mad like everyone else and upset and shit. But, you know, people being grumpy with me or negative, I, I tend to be pretty okay with it a lot of the time. And a lot of the things that I 
brought up in that in that video are that there's I in my experience you know, as a sort of anecdotal it's not like a data driven statement necessarily but I've known many people who are never the initial perpetrator of negative shitty commentary but if they see someone else be shitty they react like a real dick you know yeah the guy who's quietly playing you know his character some frustrating things are happening. He's silent. And then someone calls him out and he's like, hey, fuck you. You're a piece of shit. Right. And he just like snap re- responds. And I'm sort of of the opinion that people will sometimes burst out negatively and you still have the capacity to choose to diffuse that situation, not to propagate sure. it, not to spout but it back out. Why do you feel like your opinion is at the top of like moral authority? Why do you feel that maybe that person enjoys doing that? Maybe they take satisfaction in shitting all over somebody else's gameplay. Is that who says that's right? Who says that's wrong? So right and wrong. I think if we pursued that line, I don't I don't know if it would necessarily get anywhere because I don't I truly don't think that I'm like I'm the right person here. People shouldn't shit talk. There you go. So I want to try to make it more objective in terms of an answer to that. So one thing that I would note is that. Some people, when they react, they're not doing it as a choice. They're doing it just as a reaction. And so one goal that I would like to bring up is the idea that if someone's shitty to you, notice that you just have a moment where you can choose. And I would want some people who would react, just snap negatively to stop and go, no, wait, I can actually diffuse this. And maybe they try that on and maybe it works for them. Um, From another perspective, I think that Shit talk in a lot of ways is really fun. It can be really fun. Like if I, 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 I don't know anything about that, but continue. If you and I are in a room playing Connect Four, I will talk the shit out of the fuck out of you in that Connect Four game because I am the world's leader. Because that's fun because you're right there and we have like a human human relationship and that's something that's very very fun and enjoyable, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of the impact that this has on communities, a lot of people are just not interested in playing in these sorts of negative environments. It can be hurtful to their experience. I don't. I just generally don't like the idea of hurting people's feelings because I was upset for 15 seconds of time. And so if, if I'm trying to step outside myself and make an objective statement, there is, I think, danger of having loops that are continually reinforced where – Everyone's being very negative and creating negative experiences for each other all the time, and no one's happy and no one enjoys that. I don't want to try to be the person who's saying all shit talk is bad and you're bad for doing it. I just think that too often emotional management, talking about how to sit with being upset with someone, how to sit in that situation is not explored enough in competitive gaming or in gaming communities in general. There's not someone talking about feelings quote fred rogers right we're men we're men right we don't yeah talk no i mean feelings. i was raised to take all the pain that i had and hold it here until i died right that's how <laughs> i was raised and you know the older i get the more i i see the value in talking about these sorts of things and exploring this sort of thing because so you know touch with your emotions yeah i try to be, well i should say i try to be i don't want to be like yeah no i'm in touch look at how in touch i am i'm fucking in self- touch with my feelings look how self-aware you are look at me go it. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, in that video, my hope would be that there are more people who would 
just be thoughtful about their own uh, emotional state when they're playing a game and try to be aware that it's a choice. Because I know that there will be people who are just like, you know what? Fuck this guy. This guy has been shitty for like an hour and I got paired with him in the next game. I'm going to make fun of him when he dies. I'm going to do that. Okay. I'm going to choose to do that. Right. But you know, you don't, it, it's not about like you're forced to take a beating because it's on the moral high ground and so on. So there's some, there's a pile of thoughts related to the issue. So you think occasionally it's okay to shit talk. Is that what you're saying? Just not all the time. It should be your natural reaction. What I'm saying is that I give you explicit permission to talk shit PPD. Just me? Just you. You're the guy who gets to talk the shit. I only do it for entertainment. So it's, uh, I always tell people it's just, a, you I, know, it's, it's theatrics, right? I hardly ever play Dota when I'm not streaming. So when I'm streaming and talking shit and telling someone how garbage they are at the game and that they shouldn't play any longer, I'm just joking. Right? Well, I want you to know I value your entertainment. Look, look at how big your grin is. I can see that that's true happiness. You're a man who's like truly happy. You're smiling like the Disney princess at the end of the Disney movie who's finally got the prince. You get to be with shit talking. And I value that just as much as I value Bulba. I equally enjoyed your <laughs> reaction to my reaction. So Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So it goes both ways. No, but I, I think you're right. I think that people do kind of take the... Mm. they don't take the high road very often and it is like kind of frequent that people do kind of you know lean towards the shittier option it feels justified you hurt me fuck you i hurt you boom got you you called me bad well you're oh and nine yeah but you're just kind of you're just encouraging it rather than dismissing it right yeah and actually i think a much better way to be succinct about everything i've said which i've never been skillful at i'm not good at being succinct um I just want to have more thoughtful conversation on all the sides. That's really all. my entire goal is to make it more thoughtful and self-aware. You're shaking your head. No, I'm just want to shit talk. No, I'm just thinking I'm listening. I'm like, you should you should negotiate peace treaties or um, manage, I should. I should manage divorces or. <laughs> yeah, no, from Dota to host to divorce guy. That's the career path I want to take. <laughs> you got options, man. You're yeah. very talented. You have a, a, a large set of Woo! skills. But yeah, I mean, I um, a lot of this is a reaction to how much just uh, emotional stress I, I had as a kid, especially when you know you play a game like Brood War, which is it's a very unforgiving, very difficult game. And it's also a very self-contained thing. It's also something that in a way is not impacting any meaningful component of my life. If I lose a game of Brood War, it's not like I don't get to eat that night. If I lose a game of Brood War, it's not like I've damaged an important relationship to me. It's a self-contained experience that is eliciting a really strong negative emotion in me right now. And and I, I had to sit with that. I had to think about that because, again, there's no teammates. It's not like someone ruined my fun. I, I lost. It was me, you know? So I... I, I I've always been interested in that dimension of gaming and competition, just the entire emotional side of the experience, both in terms of how to treat it and how to make yourself not feel so shitty about yourself when you do a bad job, but also how it kind of pollutes your learning process, how I might be upset at a certain hero in the game. Um, I, I, I joke about this with Slark, but I truly have an, like a conceptual analysis problem with slark because he's made me so mad when i was first playing dota that now when i see a slark i treat him as though he is better than he is and again yeah. if you watch day nine learns dota with purge purge is like just go fucking kill that slark 
but I felt like I couldn't because I'd had this emotional reaction to him that that's was your, overpowering. That's your, that's your that's your Harry Potter Dementor, right? Yeah, that is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Slark is my white whale, just trying to catch him, man. And Captain Ahab day nine, just chasing after with Lena and like right on about trying to fucking Laguna Blade, he just disappears. And I'm like, I don't have dust. And Purge is like. I'm gonna have yeah. I'm gonna have Slacks sneak up on you at the panel with a Slark mask, and you're gonna turn around and see him, and we'll uh, see <laughs> I'll pull out a knife and stab him in the throat, and as I peel the <laughs> Slark mask, we'll be like, "It was Purge. worth it. You you chose this, right?" Like Perch told me to face my fears and confront them head on. I'm only doing what my coach <laughs> demanded. Sorry, Slacks. And Perch is like, <gasps> he's like analyzing it on the telestrator. He's like, and here's where the entry wound went in, and yeah. there is where I got happy. It's going to be A+. plus. Oh, man. That's, uh... <laughs> this, is, this is how we end this. <laughs> so there could be... If the murder uh, so if the murder does happen, it is premeditated. And yeah. yeah uh-huh. We'll use this. And uh-huh. I guess... I mean, you, I could delete the VOD or this part of the VOD if you want me to. No, you, you should just mute it. You should be like, hey, what if what if Slack's going behind you in a Slark mask? And then it's just like... Doo! And it's just like the long beep. And yeah. uh, I think that that will fix it. Sure. Well, uh, I think it's fair for us to send Slacks a warning. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to meet Slacks. I've never, I've never met him. Slacks is awesome. He's really, he's really cool. People, people think for whatever reason Slacks and I don't like each other, but he's one of my favorite people. He's uh, just totally like about having fun, and want, he works really, really hard, and he wants everything to be great. So yeah, he he seems that to me, he seems that he is a great mood. Yes, Slacks is a good time. He is a great mood right there. Love hanging out with Slacks for that exact reason. It's going to be a blast, man. All right, man. Um, Where can people, uh, you got anything, like any kind of content that you want to showcase before we head to Seattle? Uh, Nothing specific. If you guys would be interested in watching my stream, that would be great. It's twitch.tv slash day9tv, or you can look up day9tv on all the social medias. I'm whatever the thing is. Slash day nine TV. Um, there you go. Consolidated. Smart. Yeah. Good brand. Great. And uh, no, I'm, I hope you guys watch the international. I'm really excited about the international and uh, hope I do a good job uh, at the hosting desk. And if I don't, you'll let me know and we'll adjust over time. And so it'll be great. Uh, and I just hope that you're as excited for TI as I am, because I am literally every time I think about it, I get something. Sort of <laughs> yeah. Same, man. All right, guys. So that's it. Thank you so much for watching. That's it from me and day nine. Uh, next time you'll see us, or I don't know if you're streaming or anything. I imagine you're probably streaming before you head there. But uh, next time you see us for, you know, we'll be in Seattle for the international. Day nine and I are going to be on the desk for the main event. So yes, super hyped. We're going to be up there in our in our fancy suits, and we're going to be uh, talking Dota and uh, talking games. So uh, looking forward to spending time and hanging out and having fun. So thanks everyone for watching and I will see you next time or I'll see you at TI. Thanks for the invite to be on here, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, no problem. Maybe we can do an after TI. Mm-hmm.